podcast for the 41st annual Hawaii International Film Festival presented by Holly Kalani. My name is Anderson Lay. I'm the artistic director for the festival. My guest is Dana Ledoux Miller, this year's Pacific Islanders and Communications Trailblazer Award honoree. Um, currently, she's the sh- uh, co-showrunner for a Netflix series. It's an untitled a Thai rescue, uh, Cave Rescue series, mini-series that's going to debut sometime in 2022. Um, also, she's had many... Um, Credits involving uh, in the writers room and also as a producer for shows like Designated Survivor, Narcos, and um, uh, HBO's The Newsroom. And also, she has a lot of Hawaii ties. She's been here. She was uh, here at the University of Hawaii and lived in um, on Oahu pretty much through all your twenties, right? And uh, and as uh, one of the um, and a graduate of the Academy of Creative Media at UH Manoa, and I screened a lot of her films, student films at HIF and. Uh, Dana, so welcome, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Dana. I mean, like, um, you, you know, you you just finished your kind of master class or whatever it is. Master is a strong word, master, but okay. uh, sure. Conversation, you know, uh, and you inspired a lot of uh, um, attendees and whatnot. And uh, one of the questions was, um, how do you get, you know, how do you get your, you know, yourself out there in the sense of like. It's just networking or what have you. What was great? I saw you, what was great is when you were a poor student. I saw you, uh, not a bu- ubiquitous, but like you're know, like you're like you're you're at the festival a lot, right? Either working on other people's films, working on not only student films but also independent films being produced in 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 on Oahu, but you're also just attending films and going to you know panels and whatnot. So. Um, yeah, can you talk about, you know, just being a, you know, kind of a, a film student and just going to the film festivals and the, I mean, not, this is my, maybe my shameless plug for here, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, what was your festival experience? Well, HIP was the first film festival I ever went to. It really wasn't like a part of my life growing up. I had heard about Sundance. I think mm-hmm. everyone's heard about Sundance. Yeah. Um, but then I made my first short, my first scripted short ever for like my beginning film class at UH and you showed it at HIF, yeah. uh, which was felt like a miracle and I couldn't really believe that it had happened. And so that was my introduction to this world. And I realized there's a place where for two weeks people just watch movies and hang out and talk about movies. And it was like, it was life changing in that it was such an introduction to a different way of experiencing art in community. And I couldn't get enough of it really. And then at ACM at the time, it was still a really small program. So we all worked together on everyone's projects. And so it just felt nice to be included in the process. And HIF was so welcoming to that and offered so many things where, like you said, as a poor student, you could just show up and attend and and experience and, and see filmmakers that were doing it like out in the world. It was very inspiring. Yeah, and uh, the fact that the you know, um, not only I mean, you you talked about uh, in your talk in your conversation that you were you're a workaholic, right? So like a, like aside from being a student, you also had a full time job, I think. Or I yeah yeah well yeah you I was were, working you were working, but you were also like after that after after graduating you were paing on numerous shows. Like I mean, it was a kind of this convergence of like you know, loss was. Big hit, and it was being shot in Hawaii. I think you were working on another ABC show, the submarine one. I think. Or... No, I, I did all movies. I got super lucky. But... Oh, okay, 
Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, like Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean Pirates, form. Yes. The uh, Descendants. Part four, the Descendants. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you had Lifetime movies. Lifetime movies, movies. You know, like it's like, you were, like, so it's, and was it, I mean, and it was interesting, you, you you kind of didn't know what your trajectory was. You just felt like, you know, I need to work and just immerse yourself in pretty much any, you're going to be willing to work in any job in the, you know, from production. And you 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 look like your your trajectory was going to be in an AD, right? And then then you kind of like got that, I guess, quote unquote, big break at the, on the newsroom and kind of like, you know, just went over to the, the TV writer's room, right? So, um, yeah. So do you, I mean, obviously, I mean, I feel that right now in your phase, right now you're a TV writer or you're, you're you have this rich uh, resume of like being a TV writer and now you're, you know, show running sh- sh- uh, series and whatnot. Uh, but do you see, I mean, do you see yourself in the director's chair and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I really loved directing and Mm -hmm. writing and, you know, I I think I'm less of a workaholic these days as a control freak. Right. Okay. I think, uh, you know, I, but you're also striking that balance. Now you have a family. Yes. Now I have a family, I have kids and I also realized it just wasn't sustainable for me in a healthy way i really believe in quality of life um and like a a good quality of life if if possible but yes uh i very much am looking to direct and hopefully in one of my next projects i'll be given that opportunity Mm -hmm. um strangely enough like show running in the tv space is a really nice transition into directing yeah yeah so um I'm in conversation about that a little bit and how to kind of make that jump. But I also was like, you know what I haven't done in a long time? Directed a short film. That would be fun too. So I'm thinking about maybe doing that in the next year just to tell a small story. It's actually so hard. Right. And to do it well. So it seems like a good exercise and could be a lot of fun. To get those, your sea legs back on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, I mean, from being a basic, a production grunt to, and, and, Working in many, you know, uh, positions like on, on, on the film set, you know, there's a whole thing happening in Hollywood and especially with, with the, you know, with the unions like IATSE, you know, like, I mean, you talked about, again, I'm going back to the workaholic thing. I don't know why, <laughs> but like 18 and 20 hour days and whatnot. So, I mean, there's definitely a sea change when it, regarding that, you know, so I mean, can you comment on, on, on that and, you know, the fact that, oh, for example, like you're working on that, that untitled Thai rescue, rescue <laughs> move. Uh, series. Obviously, what you know, how they work in Southeast Asia is different from American crews, right? So, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was I was in Thailand uh, on set actually when the IA Stories Instagram kind of started yeah. blowing up, and I started reading it, and so many of those stories were my stories. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep at the wheel yeah. of my dad's car, and thankfully I was at a light, and so. I just bumped the car in front of me and it could have been much worse, worse, but you know, that was my life for so long. And I felt, I was told early on, I have to say yes to everything. Mm. And so you end up saying yes to 18 hour days, being the first one in and out. And I, I was also like the PA money was nothing, but it was the most money I had ever made at that time. And like, even though it meant working 70 hours a week. Yeah. You're like making like pennies for. uh, Yeah. uh, I didn't have that like perspective. And I was like, okay, this is what I have to do to learn. I have to do to learn. But, um, but I'm actually really, really passionate about creating a better space. Um, I worked on the descendants and Alexander Payne is he, he was, 
always had the goal to work eight to 10 hour days. Mm. And we pretty much maintained that. I can't remember a day that went longer. And that was the first time I had seen that as possible. Right. But now with a lot of the writers I've been working with and kind of this, I guess, next generation of showrunners, we're talking about how do we make changes? We haven't had the power, I don't think, for long enough to really see a lot of those changes implemented. But, you know, John Wells sets a great model of changing that. And that's what I aspire to. I will also say that on my first show, I've also now seen how hard it is to slip into, I mean, how hard it is to avoid slipping into some of those bad things. You, now that I've seen how deals are made and how decisions are made yeah. and how quickly a production can get away from you, yeah. I'm like, okay, I, it's not as easy as I had hoped. And I've already made mistakes that I hope to not make again. But, you know, it's also a learning curve when you get your first show and somebody's like, here's $30 million. Don't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my problem to have. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, some days it does not feel no, that I, way. I, <laughs> but... I mean, the stakes are very much, are, are much higher. Right. So, thankfully, yeah. it's a team effort yeah, and it's yeah. not all me because I, I've learned, I had to learn a right, lot. Right. How about, how is it working? I know it was funny because uh, we have a friend, mutual friend who uh, sent me a WhatsApp uh, oh, photo and uh, she goes, who, guess who I'm working with? <laughs> And you know, I, I recognize you immediately because you take goofy pictures. You take goofy <laughs> smile. Like I was like, Dana Ledoux Miller. Like it's like <laughs> sitting next to you, and you're in Thailand, right? <laughs> so like it's like uh, it was great. And like um, just talk about you know, I mean that experience of just again and doing it during you know COVID. a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I this is my second time in Thailand. I went when I was 19 for a short trip and I had this sort of vague memory of it. It is one of the most special places that I have ever been. And, you know, I had no idea, like you said, Southeast Asia film productions work very differently. Um, too much, I would say like they work themselves very, very hard. Thankfully, Netflix has kind of global policies that we abide by and, um, kind of helped us and pull back on Mm -hmm. some of that. Um, But it's still really hard and the conditions are tough. It's the hottest place I've ever been. The humidity is crazy, but the crews were incredible. And the people I was meeting and the passion that they had for not just making television, but for telling this story specifically Mm -hmm. um, of these boys trapped in this cave, it it means so much to them as Mm -hmm. a nation that it was really special to be involved with something that the people are so proud of. Um, and it really gave me a lot of perspective. It's so easy to be jaded by Hollywood and um, to be with people and really feel like we were collaborating and creating something that even if it doesn't mean anything to the global audience, really, really means something to these people here. And and, and I really want to do right by them. I want to you know, like the, the fact that the marketplace has changed so much. I mean, you look at like Squid Game, right? And that's like Korean and it's very it has a lot of Korean culture and, and nuance, and it's like a the biggest hit in the world right now. It's amazing. Right? Yeah, I was like, thank you, yeah. because we've got some <laughs> the show coming out too. Right, right. <laughs> and then so like it's in the sense like you know there's a you know again going through you know your own cultural identity and uh, and you're on your own journey, right, um, to reconnect to your roots and whatnot. Uh, can you talk about maybe the you know, this you know the you know kind of the drive for uh, authenticity in storytelling i mean it's always been my my you know just it's always been performative in a way and i feel do you feel that this is a an actual sea change 
I feel like there is still a lot of performative art being done. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of executives who are like, oh my gosh, we so want diversity, but they want a brand of diversity that feels comfortable to sure. them and safe to them. And yeah. like, they can still say, you know, it's like, but we cast brown people. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, but the story could just be anyone. It's so generic. It's not yeah. really speaking to the experience. Right. So I do think that that still exists. Yeah. But I do feel... I know a lot of executives and have met more, you know, the people that are making the decisions about what ends up on air who really believe and are trying to make that change happen. And, and I have to give credit to our Netflix executives who, when we walked in and said what we endeavored to do and the way we wanted to do it, um, I am not Thai, but you know, that we really wanted to find ways to bring as many Thai people in as possible and allow them to influence the stories and to tell the story through their lens. They didn't hesitate. They just said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And, and we have, and I hope that it has the same success as squid game, but we will see. Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell. Um, my final question. So, you know, aside from this, uh, you know, series that you're working on, um, and the fact that, you know, kind of like because of technology now, I think, uh, because you, you're trying to find that balance with you having a family and whatnot, you are splitting the duties with your other, uh, um, partner in the sense that you are show running, but remotely essentially, right? So, yes. Uh, and, um, yeah, just have you, have you learned, have you, have you learned to like finally settle down and really kind of like not be able to workaholic or is it still driving? It's still, it's still a battle with you internally. Uh, I definitely just texted him and apologized for being in Hawaii for the weekend because I didn't want him to think I wasn't working hard right. enough. <laughs> um, and he was like, be quiet. Whatever. Um, yeah. but yeah. It's a struggle. I think that I am better at finding balance when I'm not on a deadline. Yeah. I still really, really struggle with writing because I writing is so hard yeah. that I will, when I'm on script, end up spending 21 hours in, locked in a room, mm -hmm. miserable, mostly not writing and hating myself and thinking I can never write another word again. But, um, but being remote has really been amazing because when I signed on for this project, my daughter was six weeks old and oh. we didn't know when we were going to shoot because COVID, like this was three weeks before lockdown happened in yeah. March, 2020. Yeah. And so I, I was like, I don't think there's going to be a way I get to Thailand because I have a baby. And that was very, very important to me. I was like, I'm not going to abandon my baby now a year and a half passed before we really got going. And so I felt more comfortable going. I went for almost three months. Um, but that was always my agreement. I told them my family comes first. And so we found a way for me to work remotely. Um, so I'm working on post-production now, but you know, I get to be in LA and our, our editors are literally all around the world. Yeah. So it doesn't matter where I where am really. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, I'm very fortunate. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a sea change when it comes to, I mean, again, you know, the fact that you are in a position of like, um, with, with a power in a sense, like in the, you know, and then you can make these decisions and the fact that there is a sea change when it comes to, I mean, little things, I mean, not little things, there are huge things when it comes to maternity leave or like, you know, you know, paternity leave or whatever and having that kind of balance, uh, with when it comes to work and family. And it's, I, I see that in, 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 in not only Hollywood, but also in industries all across the board, right? So Hollywood's got a long way to go. Sure. It definitely does. 
And then, uh, and we're just glad that you're there. <laughs> I, Dana, I'm very impressed by you. Very, um, uh, you know, very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, it's great to see. I mean, like, like Dana, you like, you, I, I just loved you. You're, you're always at the, you, at the festival, like years and years ago, not, 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 not very long ago, like 10 years ago, 10, 10 years ago. I think ago. 2007 was when my first movie played at, yeah. at HIF. Yeah. 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 Well, not that long ago. Not that long ago. No, 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 no. Still youngin. So. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, again, thank you, Dana, and we're we're honored to and with with Hif and Pick to honor you with the Trailblazer Award. Well, thank you so you're much. Truly a Trailblazer. So, thank you. Thank you. And we hope you enjoy the remainder of the film festival. We encourage others listening to this to do the same, whether mm-hmm. it's in, in person or at the theater or streaming online. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the podcast of the forty first annual Inter- Hawaii International Film Festival presented presented by Holly Kalani. A special shout out to the After Bruce team for their support. You can learn more about them by visiting afterbruce.com. Also, shout out to Box Jelly in Honolulu for providing us with the space to record. A thank you to Lingo for providing production and tech support. This show is executive produced by Becky Stokedi, the executive director of HIF, and also me, Anderson Lane, the artistic director. And for all of you listening, listening out there, on behalf of HIF, aloha and mahalo. <laughs>